Alert by Servitor Primus of the Editorium. Due to reallocation of Servitor units to priority tasks, and the Librarian's edict to favour accurate experiential data over the preservation of sensibilities, the Primus issues the following warning. Suboptimal mixing may be present. Extended pauses may be present. Explicit language and profanity may be present. Listeners are advised to apply or seek adult judgment before continuing. Only in death, the secret mission logs of Kill Team Atromatos. Loyal citizens of the Imperium of Man, heed ye the proclamation of the Administratum as we announce the following factual revision. While any claims made during this episode that the Death Watch role-playing game is out of print were correct at the time of recording, all faithful servants of the Emperor may rejoice that Death Watch has since been returned to availability through the auspices of Ulysses Spieler and is, at the time of this pronouncement, now available via drive through RPG. Loyal subjects of the Imperium, welcome to Episode 8, the final episode of Season 1 of Only in Death, a podcast where four friends and I create a grim, dark, sci-fi action movie in the theatre of your mind. I am Radio Rob, your Game Master for these sessions. Now, as this picks up right after the end of a session, as my players and I do a little bit of a post-mortem, uh... I don't have my players on hand to introduce themselves, so in alphabetical order you will be hearing the following voices in a few minutes. Sim Lauren, who plays Brother Avalon, the gregarious tech marine of the Storm Wardens chapter. Ian Ketch Sinclair, who plays Brother Gedeon Kamael, studious devastator of the Dark Angels chapter. And Rebel Wolf, who plays Brother Gladius, taciturn apothecary of the Ultramarines chapter. One voice you won't be hearing is Scott Doucette, who plays Brother Matthias Vainglory, an ambitious assault marine of the Blood Angels chapter. Uh, as I said, we recorded this right after the end of Episode 7, and unfortunately Scott had to go and attend to some other matters. However, there is one voice you will be hearing whom you have not heard from before. That is one of the show's alpha listeners, uh, Doragon Kishu, who joined us in the show's Discord server, to listen along, and then at the end of the episode, I sh shifted the chat channel from the secure mission or uh, episode chat channel to the general channel so that he could pop in and give us some audience feedback on the session. Hope you enjoy. Yeah, um, as a post-mortem, I did notice that you guys mentioned uh, that Death Watch is pretty combat-y, uh, which, let's face it, it is. That said... I wouldn't mind giving you folks a little bit more opportunity to build character with others and not just um, with quips amongst yourselves, if you know what I mean. I, uh, um, yeah, combat, uh, admittedly, that combat was, it was like the last one. It was fun and it was good to manage. 
But um, yeah, I I would like to give you guys more opportunity to have more character moments and you know use your personal demeanors uh, as much as all your other resources that you have to hand. Actually, I felt we had some real good moments today. Um, just like everyone assuming that Gladius was just going to straight up kill the guardsman was quite nice. Mm. And Gideon saying, no, this is a terrible idea, was also quite good. Yeah. No, we shouldn't do this. Like, oh, To be fair, Gladius was almost on that level as well, right up until the point yeah. where other members of the squad wanted to help. Mm. Well, it's... Uh, I- I'm just trying to play into the the dark angel demeanor is very much like anyone who's not a space marine he's like I don't really care about them. Mm. <laughs> I don't like dark angels don't really like to they don't really care to work with even like imperial guardsmen or pdf forces especially not anyone who's like an ab human or something like that. Yeah, They're happy to that- work for the most part with other Space Marines, other chapters and stuff, but anything below that, kind of don't have time for them. Mm. I suppose in that regard, they're almost the opposite of uh, Ultramarines, because Ultramarines get on quite well with the Imperial Guard. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of tough to try to find the balance between playing that aspect of the character and also just not, like, completely ignoring all the NPCs, because you want to be able to have some character interaction, but not Mm. all the time just being ignoring them or denigrating them or something but yeah i mean ultimately my my gladius's choice was pretty much factored by this sounds like a bit of plot yeah uh, if if it like i would have quite happily just gone no this is inconsequential we've got a mission and just carried on but i think you know avalon seemed quite keen to get involved with it i think matthias wanted to get involved with it yeah, I think, like, Gideon on his own would have been like, no, forget these guys, I don't care. But when it was clear the rest of the kill team wanted to pursue it, he was like, well, uh, I'm going to stick with the team and do what they do. But From a kind of behind-the-scenes moment, I kind of wrote that in specifically as an opportunity to... Uh, do something a little bit different on the way to the other encounters that are in the book and just try and throw uh, something that, you know, a decision that had a little bit of weight to it and, you know, was potentially more, for want of a better phrase, emotionally engaging than just um, uh, the next combat encounter. So there was that angle of it there I just wanted, and I figured even if it came to all of you guys going no, this is not important in the face of the mission, at least the decision itself would still have been interesting. And, you know, I was kind of... When uh, Gladius was... uh, went to Private Lucas and reminded her of her oaths of service, you know, I was kind of expecting... half expecting, but I think you were playing to that as well, as you mentioned. I liked how you kind of played to that expectation and then turned around and said, no, we have, we are, we are bound to serve as well and we will help you kind of thing. That was, I thought that was great. Well, he does care. Like he doesn't, he genuinely does care about people. He just, he's just a bit emotionally retarded, you know? Yeah. After the horrors that he is in in the literal sense, rather than the offensive sense. 
Yeah. Mm. Anyway, guys, I'll be right back. I just better uh, better see if my dog needs letting out before she weasel over anything. So give me a sec. Ugh. But yeah, this is it, Ian. I, I was entirely with you <laughs> on that. Like, I was the reason I asked yeah. what the rest of the squad was doing is because I was half expecting like a commissar to appear out of nowhere and just yeah. pop her in the back of the head. Yeah. The reason I spoke last was because I was like, well, hopefully, like, I as a player want to do it. But as a character, I was like, Gideon's not going to want to do it. So I'm going to let the other two speak up first and hopefully they'll want to do it. After that, I can have my dissenting opinion, but we'll still end up doing it. Yeah, it's, it's always a tough one, man. Like, it's because you obviously you want your party to gel. You want your party to do stuff that's active to the plot. But yeah. also having a, having an opinion that's slightly yeah exactly um, you don't all want to be yeah. just doing the same thing it's good to have like even something small as that conflicting opinions is uh, you know builds yeah, character this, this and is conflict sort of tension, con- tension exactly yeah conflict drives character yeah there's a difference between conflict and antagonism yeah. uh, and I don't think we had any antagonism we certainly had conflict yeah. I think I also feel it's a weird one. Like I feel like I've, I'm quite happy to talk in character, uh, and I think I might have stumped myself a little by making a character that didn't talk very yeah. much, especially because it seems like you guys have needed me to talk. But that's different. You're not chatting, and generally, I say I, I took my character is I talk a lot when it doesn't matter, whereas your character will talk when it does matter and when you're in charge you are taking the lead but you are not sitting there with the banter in between times yeah and i don't think taciturn means that you are you know a a silent pillar in the middle of a a, a sea of, of verbal i think it just means that you prefer to express yourself when you feel it really matters I have returned you know, folks, by, return by the way. You're the, um, I'm just saying that, that Gladius is that drunk in the corner that sort of sits there staring into his beer and then will just look up every so now and again and say something very profound. He's not the, the person that's standing on the table and yelling and telling everyone that they love them. And <laughs> uh, Very quickly, I'm just going to manhandle you guys over into the general channel. There we go. Just so if Dorogon wants to pitch in. Because now Dorogon can get involved, yeah. I don't like being manhandled. I just, why? <laughs> don't think of it as being manhandled, Sim. Just think of I'm it just, as being gently guided. I was just saying it in a nice have, feeling. Go ahead, sorry. I have people here going, what What are you talking about? What just happened? We just all got physically moved from Mission Box into General by the GM, which is why we lost audio for a second. Hi, listeners. I was just saying it had a nice... Aliens moment, you know, the, the the second Aliens movie from years ago. Don't say that. I feel old. But I like the whole uh, cramped space. You guys are, like you said, you guys are, you guys are like, yesterday. I know what you mean, Doragon. It was pretty cool. That's mm. like, a, look, at, I was genuinely like imagining it being really cramped, sort of corridors full of boxes, like retail shop, storage area kind of. Well, it's kind of like it doesn't matter how badass you are when you're in a small area bad things can happen mm. so i liked when his arm got ripped off i thought like i said i thought that up the stakes i thought that was 
but you guys laid them laid waste to them. So, man, I would have loved yeah. to have lost an arm. <laughs> like, I genuinely, I would have been quite happy for the Narthesium to have been utterly destroyed. Yeah, I would have put you a new one, no drama. What is that? I, mean, I, that? Probably, I probably could have um, given you one of mine. Got three, no, four, three. No, 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 no dude. Narthesiums are apothecary items. They're the so to answer your question, Doragon, the Narthesium is like a built-in med kit. So it's like a combination of uh, like little mechanical tendrils with uh, syringes and saws and snips and stuff like that for fixing injuries. It just like it it speeds it up, and it's like have it's like having a little mechanical assistant for medicine rolls, basically. So that's even worse than it got torn off. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like the it's the apothecary's thing, right? Yeah, that's it. So the picture that Rob's just posted, that that thing with the chainsaw on it. It's not actually for melee. That's just for cutting through space marine armor. In fact, that is, if if that had a beaky helmet rather than a pig face helmet, that would be Gladius. Yeah, yeah, ultramarine apothecary. Yeah, uh, um, and with two pistols you don't instead use of a chain chainsword. Yeah. Oh yeah, two two pistols because eventually I'm going to start spending XP to use dual wield and stuff like that because nothing says hilarious. Like casually dropping a magnitude seven attack. <laughs> also, I like the the kind of well thought out play, you know, as opposed to just diving in. And I mean, you guys seemed, even though you have good technology, you seemed well well thought out before you did anything. You should have been here for last session. Yeah. So that uh, I think there was a quip a little earlier on about um, uh, where Avalon was asking if anyone ha- wanted any shampoo. There was an incident when Avalon lobbed a grenade at a horde that Matthias is engaged with, and it was a miss, but with a grenade, that doesn't really matter much against uh, against something as large as a horde because it basically deviated four metres. Unfortunately, the direction it deviated in was kind of in Brother Matthias's direction. But the fun bit was, when the grenade went off, the damage that it did, minus... Brother Matthias's armor minus his toughness came to zero. <laughs> wow. Mm. No, not not negative, just zero. Yeah. Driving things in a dull direction, Rob, on a purely mechanical sense. How do you want me to do non-combat medicine? Are you quite happy for me to just go back up to normal hit points? Um, I will have a quick look at that because I think... Uh, I have the feeling that full healing between missions, especially no worries, Doragon, have a... And thank you very much for coming along. It's been great having you. Yeah, thanks. I was sorry that uh, Jawakin couldn't make it as well, but um, yeah, look, uh, we'll be doing... Not to keep talking while you're trying to get out of here, but we'll be doing Alpha Listeners up until Patreon launches, and then I think, and the podcast itself launches, and then I think I'll be pretty much restricting it to folks uh, who are backing at a certain level on Patreon. But if you're enjoying it and you'd love to be back, then that at least is a good sign that that will work as a potential reward. So... um Thank you very much for coming along and being an Alpha listener. Um, anything else you think of later on will be appreciated, and uh, have a good night. Thanks, and hope you have a great Saturday. Getting back to the medical thing, um, as a GM, when I've had players who have medical powers, like magic or whatever, like with Dungeon World, if it's not in combat and they just want to keep using it and they've got like 
unlimited uses, I generally just say, yeah, sure. Like, there's nothing stopping you from being on four hit points. So, there's not a dramatic moment. I don't really care. But obviously, this is a bit more of a crunch-heavy game. <laughs> it moves damage equal to the health bonus, so one damage for agree here. First aid is full round, extended care, cumulative issue of no, or you're basically treating yourself. However, it is heavy damage, so I think I can heal very little of it, so it'll take a very long time. Yeah. It'd be, I have the feeling it's going to be the sort of thing where, um, rather than magically up to maximum hit points between missions, um, because in the book it says you basically heal damage, you know, for every week of rest. Well, you can do first aid, and that will get you up, uh, get you some. Uh, get, well, I'd say get you out of critical and get you some wounds back. Um, but after that, it's generally every week. So I'm gonna. Yes, I'll have to be have to be a little bit mindful of that because that's a heap and that's a heap of hit points to lose in one hit. I'll have to. Yeah, but I don't, don't, don't like want to kill characters, especially as there's no reinforcement coming. I'm not too keen on, why, you know, wiping characters out and doing TPKs wholesale unless everyone is kind of happy to, um, you know, start another mission with an, a, another pack of Space Marines. But then again, character creation is complex enough as it is to put you guys through it again. Could I suggest that we use some of this cloning technology we got, um, if that happens, to just have a clone or two or three? We failed that mission, but you guys have back onto milk runs until you prove yourselves again. Just to check in, which cloning technology is that? I don't care. I just really don't want to have to use the character creation system anytime soon. Understandable. Okay. It is sadly... Hey, look, we found another Avalon. Her name is... Avalon. <laughs> and then there'll be Cavalon and then Davalon. James is suggesting we only get nine clones. Traditionally, it's six. <laughs> if you think I heard he was talking about cats, but I think you're making a paranoia XP reference, aren't you? <laughs> I, I, I was about really to say, am. Serve the Emperor. The Emperor is your friend. Oh, how the Emperor. Are you happy, citizen? <laughs> anyway. Man, I used to run Paranoia. It's a very silly game. Yes. I, I keep getting the urge to run uh, straight games, and then I remember that actually that'd be so depressing. Right, I'm probably going to log off. All right, no worries. Right, thank you very much for the game, Rob. I will I chat will to people ch- when I chat to people. And otherwise, see you in two weeks' time when I think we're going to be having a flashback episode, and I might need a little bit of help with that from you guys, so we will, um, uh, I have the feeling it's going to be Gladius, just because um, so far, I think the only other detailed background I've got was from um, Matthias, at least at this point. Um, but, I'm working on one. No worries. Uh, but yeah, I this is going to be something uh, as much as Death Watch is kind of new to me anyway, uh, doing sort of like a uh, I assume, I'd say we're probably going to be flashing back to that time when one, an incident, perhaps when Gladius was a was still a scout. But I might not might not worry about stuffing with stats or anything all that much, and just see how we go. Soft role player. Whoa. Mm. Go off road. No dice. Yeah. I'm entirely okay with that. Cool. Um, admittedly, when I said I'm not bothered with stuffing with stats, I meant just pretty much using your character sheet as is, but that's also a tempting thought, because, I mean, you know, 
it's a flashback, you did survive, things can be a little bit surreal and not too governed by rules, and as long as we sometimes, know it's going to be happening. Sometimes mechanics ruin games. Yeah. I am running Scion at the moment. I've got one game left where they're, they're just about to fight in another Ragnarok against the, the Titan of Hunger inside a non-Euclidean universe, which was built by the god of physics to serve as a battleground to keep the Titans out of heaven. Okay, I'm using this very, very, very short pause in conversation to say goodbye, you all. I'll catch you later. Good night. No worries. Yeah, Have a great too. time at Warhammer Fest, Sim. Post plenty of pics. Let us know how it goes. Give Dad Oh, uh, yeah. Just Give keep Dad an eye on my Twitter, at PaintySim. I'll be chucking everything and as much as everything I can up there. I'm also covering Comic-Con, which has been interesting so far. So I had a lot of fun here in Coventry and at Comic-Con today. Funnily enough, I think we lost... Sounds like it. Looks like Gladys. Um, yeah, looks like Reb dropped out instead. All right, then. Well, in that case, as it's just us, uh, Ian, I might th- uh, let's wrap things up there. I was just looking at uh, this final sanction opening script thing, mm-hmm. and if you wanted to do like a a recording of it, like it's written very much like a script. It is, uh, yeah. So a lot of a lot of the narration is very like um, uh, scene directions and things like that. If you wanted to do like a recording of it, uh, how would you feel about? And I'd be happy to do this myself. Like, just kind of rewriting the narration as more of a uh, like a story narration rather than a direction narration. Yeah, I think it needs it if we're gonna yeah. actually do it as a, a visual thing. Uh, pardon me, as an audio thing rather than a, you know, just giving that to people to read. Yes, I would be happy with you to uh, tackle rewriting that. Uh, yeah, well, I'll see about before next session. I'll I'll definitely get get in sort of backstory to you, and I'll start working on the opening here. All right, Ian. Well, have yourself a good night. Thank you again for coming out and. Um, oh. Pleasure. Subjecting yourself to my GMing, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've got to admit, there was one point right at the beginning where I was actually having the right terrors. I just thought, "Holy crap, what am I going to do? I haven't prepared enough. I've got this <laughs> thing that I had in mind, but uh, I, you know, when you're just suddenly looking at what you've got and you're thinking that I should have put in more detail and more options and more NPCs and more planning, but." Um, uh, uh, I'm glad that at least what I did was enough to pretty much semi-wing it. Yeah, I think we've got a good enough group here that, um, uh, you know, like, I think the players can take on some of the weight of the the narrative work as well. Yeah, which is nice. Absolutely. Yeah, a bit of a relief as a game master. All right, guys. Well, oh god, oh, no worries here. Well, I'm gonna log off myself and. Uh, uh, go do some bits and pieces around the house and um, whatever right. else you've got planned for the day. So, yeah, have a good night, mate, and thanks again. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you all once again for listening on. I hope you enjoyed that episode, which, as I said, was... Oh, no worries. Vicky is just saying that she has to leave. I'm actually doing this as a Facebook Live, as... Um, It just struck me as a bit of a whim. I'm recording this on the morning of Christmas Day, December the 25th, 
2017 and I had everything set up to go and I just thought, what the heck, let's put the webcam on and do it as a live as well. So if you happen to be on Facebook at the moment, you might be catching some early access to this episode, except for, of course, the actual play bits. Anyway, to continue on, it has been a fun season. I wasn't sure how many episodes we were going to get out of it, and I do want to talk a little bit about what happened. Uh, As you may know, I was recording this in April to June of this year, and then I only started releasing episodes toward the end of the year. Um, Also, you'll probably hear, would have heard a lot of talk during the episodes about how we were planning to push on and keep going, and then suddenly things just sort of came to an end. And, you know, especially as we only have these eight episodes, of which four are actual play episodes, not in counting the episode two where it was sort of a test of the combat system, so technically you could say we got as many as five. Life wound up getting in the way. Um, July... The early part of the year was looking like a great year for me in terms of RPGs. I had Only in Death going, and I'd also had a couple of local friends get in touch to get me to introduce them to Dungeons & Dragons. Come to think of it, if you follow the blog at robf.com.au, you probably would have read this story already, but I thought I would go over it for you here. And... I was having a lot of fun. I was getting together with my friends in the UK and Canada to play Only in Death uh, once every fortnight. And then uh, on the off weeks, I was nipping out to Brinsmead to Game Master, the starter set of Dungeons & Dragons with the folks who were interested in playing. Um, The only problem was is that I was kind of pushing in between the actual play and preparing for sessions and everything. I was kind of putting a lot of time into being a game master and running games. And my wife said to me at one point that she she has been basically having a lot of health trouble over the past few years. And while sometimes it's great to have something else going on as well as a bit of a distraction from that, she said that she needed my help because... She is a a huge green thumb. She loves her garden. It's therapeutic for her. And she also likes things to be tidy. Uh, she likes her house and her garden well organized. And the garden had been kind of getting a bit neglected because Vicky had been ill and I had other priorities. Um, things had been getting a little bit overgrown. Things weren't as tended to as they otherwise could have been. And Vicky... For the sake of her own sanity, she said, look, Rob, I need your help with this. This is something that's important to me. Because of my health problems, I can't maintain the yard as I want it to. So I need you to help me out to get stuck in yourself and do all the things that need doing until at least we can get the yard back in a decent condition. And then we'll look at where we are there. So I kind of had a bit of a choice to make. And I had to basically cut one of the games out. And it was either, of course, only in Death or Dungeons & Dragons. And as much as uh, we had big plans for only in Death, you know, making it a podcast, uh, perhaps getting some Patreon backing, it was perhaps at that time getting a bit too big. 
and not being just something that I did for the sheer fun of it. And it being something that I did online with people who are across the globe instead of it being with people who are in the same room as me as Dungeons and Dragons was, I decided that only in death was the thing to be set aside. So uh, we kept, I, you know, uh, let my team know what was going on, explain the situation. They were very understanding, for which I am eternally grateful. And uh, yeah, we pressed on with Dungeons and Dragons for a couple of sessions. And uh, then perhaps I maybe got a little bit too greedy again. Another friend of mine got in touch and said, hey, uh, I know someone who also wants an introduction to D&D and I wouldn't mind giving it a go. And because the friend of a friend lived just pretty much up the road from me, at least in Cairns terms, you know, uh, 10 minutes drive. And um, the first group had sort of, you know, they got a game of their own going. They had a, a bit of momentum there. So I kind of took the, well, humans, my work here is done and decided to go with uh, helping the second lot of friends out. And then... The friend of a friend wound up with a huge family priority that was going to take six months to sort out. So she backed out and my friend said, well, I don't want to do it if my friend's not doing it. So she backed out as well. And yeah, um, that kind of ground to a bit of a halt overall in terms of role playing. So that's what you get for being greedy, Rob. Um, but uh, if there's one thing I do then want to talk about is, you know, why it started again. Um Vicky kind of had another bout of health trouble. We were hoping things had sort of calmed down uh, around about July, August, and then things just sort of unfortunately uh, got worse again. And one day when I was at home after running Vicky into the hospital uh, with not much else to do, I needed something to occupy me, and I thought, what the hell? Let's start getting the episodes that I've got in the can edited together and start putting them out just because I want to. So that was why Only in Death kind of started up again. It was just from that pure, I want to do it just for the sake of doing it, which I think is probably one of the, the best motivations to have. It's something that you'd need to come back and examine a bit when you actually start trying to make it a consistent thing, because usually uh, once the novelty factor wears off, sometimes you go, okay, well, maybe this isn't as big a deal as I thought it was. And um, listening back to those episodes again and uh, enjoying them and enjoying hearing my friends and I having a good time made me think, you know what? I wouldn't mind trying to pick only in death up uh, and see what we can do for it maybe in 2018. I did have, I do have another game going, a Starfinder game, which is being played uh, with people across, yeah, again, internationally, mostly Australian people, but with one person in the, in the Netherlands. So, of course, again, it's an online game. But, um, yeah, I just thought uh, as much as Death Watch is a bit of a challenge because it's all about space marines who are very... In your typical role-playing game, your characters start off as what's considered... You've probably heard the term, you know, levelling up has almost become part of regular parlance nowadays, that idea of getting uh, more experienced, becoming more capable. And it pretty much got its start with role-playing games and it, this idea of a measure of the experience and capabilities of this fictional character that you've created and are playing. Um... In most role-playing games, you get 
um, when you start off, you have a level one character who doesn't have all that many capabilities, some basic equipment, and they join a group and they start going adventuring. And eventually you get to higher levels, get all sorts of cool equipment, your skills become uh, extremely good, you go start going up against um, larger and greater threats, all that kind of thing. When you're playing a space marine who, by definition, if you're not familiar with the Warhammer 40,000 universe, a space marine is basically a genetically modified, uh, surgically modified super soldier who is clad in a huge suit of powered armor, i.e. armor that actually, if you've seen Iron Man, you get the idea it's armor that is actually driven by, you know, hydraulics and electrical motors. So when you move your arm, it's not like you're a knight having to bear all this weight of the armor as well as trying to, you know, move yourself. The armor moves itself for you so you don't, you're not weighed down by it. Um, yeah, so generally they're st as a starting character, they are already very high level and to, because of the nature of these beings who are, kind of cloistered within this organization which is called the chapter they don't have what you would call normal lives they go out they fight they come back they meditate they worship they maintain their gear they study they train they prepare for the next battle so it's kind of tough giving them all the kind of pasts and histories and baggage that tends to come with role-playing game characters when you're actually interested in developing them as people so it did feel like at times, well, you know, it doesn't sort of make for a good RPG, but I don't know, listening to how we did handle it during those sessions and the banter that the characters had, it was good fun. And I thought, what the hell? Uh, let's just press on. And I got in touch with my players, all of whom thankfully were keen on picking up where we left off. So we are looking at trying to get the band back together in 2018. Uh, there are a couple of other things I wanted to talk about. Uh, another good thing about listening back to the season is that it felt like uh, I got a personalised GM school. I got to listen to the things, no worries Desmond, Desmond Green has just said that he's got to head off. Have a great Christmas with your family, catch you sometime soon mate, um, and have a fantastic new year. Uh, yeah, as I was saying... It was great listening back to those episodes because I got to learn a heap. Uh, one of the things that I sort of took away, especially in the first actual play session when the players landed on the planet Avalos and went up against the rebels, rebels, pardon me, I told them in the description of the scene that there was this wrecked Chimera, which is an Imperial battle tank, and immediately Sim who plays Brother Avalon, the tech marine, took an interest in it because it's the sort of thing that she could get work, you know, potentially get into and apply her technical skills to and get working in its immediate sense of achievement there. And the description in the final sanction mission basically said that it was a wrecked chimera. And I pretty much said no to it immediately because I just had this idea in my head that I didn't want the players stuffing around too much and that it was just a wreck when it would have been the kind of thing that maybe even if she couldn't have got the actual tank itself operational again, maybe she could have gotten the main turret or a few of the smaller lasgun turrets on it going. So it's um, it's an interesting thing, thing there sometimes, especially with pre-generated adventures, when you get a little bit too involved in what's written and you kind of study it a bit too much and 
you sort of get these ideas firm in your head and when your play when you show them to your players and they immediately start to riff on them if that riff goes kind of counter to what you'd already imagined and settled on in your own mind because GMing can be excuse me but I'll have another quick drink of water sometimes GMing can be pretty hard work and it's easier to lean on those crutches of your own expectations than take them and run with them the same way your players are doing. Uh, I remember I listened a lot to a podcast called the Happy Jacks RPG podcast. They were talking about another set of game rules called Fate, which does kind of put a bit more emphasis on the improvisational making things up as you go along angle, which I kind of, I really dig it, but... Um, I haven't yet found a group that's willing to give it a go, or I know people who dig it and I've said, hey, I'd like to give it a spin, and they've been keen to have me on, and then, of course, life has intervened for them as well. Um, but when talking about fate, one of the guys in Happy Jacks said, no worries, Jackie. Jackie is in Melbourne, has to go. It's time down there, as it's half past ten, for them to start unwrapping presents, so have a great time, folks. Merry Christmas to you all. Uh, Jackie and her daughter Kate. Jackie is my daughter, through Vicky, of course. Uh, so Kate is my granddaughter. They are two of my players in the Starfinder game. So we're having some fun there, although we're, of course, taking a Christmas break as well. Uh, to get back on topic again, I was, yes, uh, on that subject, uh, the guys at Happy Jacks tend to call playing Fate... One of them said, uh, you tend to get pulling shit out of your ass fatigue. Just because of that work of improvisation, uh, it tends to take a lot out of you. Your mind is operating at a high rev, and it can get a little bit exhausting. So it's that fine line between kind of protecting your energy and pacing yourself as a GM and adapting to what your players throw at you because, you know, you've got these... You've got your own creativity, and then you've got these four or five other people's creativity also going on. And part of the fun is harnessing with that, going with that flow, making your players feel a, a part of what's going on, as opposed to just rolling dice and finding out whether or not you hit your chess piece opponent across the other side of the battlefield. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's been good learning these things. Another thing... One of the things that kind of surprised and disappointed me a little bit was the parry rules in the game, because if you listen to, uh, one, two, three, I think it was episode four, when, oh my god, you see, this is what happens when you're trying, when you're on a bit of a roll and all of a sudden your mind lets you down. Scott, playing brother, brother Matthias, went up against the rebel leader, uh, in a chainsaw-to-chainsaw battle, and both times that Scott attacked, the rebel leader was able to parry with his own chainsaw, which kind of made the all-out attack a bit of a pain, um, because, uh, the, yeah, I'm just sorry, I was looking at some notes and got distracted, uh, because it meant that this uber move that he was making was basically able to be blocked by the by his target with a straight up parry roll which i think was at negative maybe negative 10 because of the fear effect from brother avalon brother avalon sorry brother matthias's armor um so maybe that's more of a thing that uh, i've learned from playing and that maybe is a tactical suggestion for 
my players is that each turn, if you want to go, if you want somebody to go into hand-to-hand combat, to try and get uh, the other players to use up the target's reaction. So every combatant gets two half actions or one full action per turn, and you can, if you use your two or half actions, you can only attack with one of them. So uh, it means that if you do attack, you need to make sure that your team members have somehow been able to get the target of your melee attack, assuming they don't have they that they have a weapon that they can parry with, to use up the target's reaction. Maybe try and take a shoot at, a shot at it so that it gets a chance to dodge. That way, when the melee combatant goes in and hits it with its sword, uh, it doesn't get that chance to parry because it's already been used up. It's a kind of tricky thing to do because it means the melee combatant needs to act lower in in the initiative order so that everyone else can get a shot in, get the target to use up its reaction, and then... The, uh, the melee fighter can attack because at the top of the turn everyone gets all their reactions back again. So yes, it's uh, interesting these things that you learn as you go. Uh, another thing that I took away from it was knowing when to wrap things up. I noticed that at the end of the big battle scene when the players met the Imperial Assassin who wound up giving them their orders next session and I also at the end of last session I was kind of keen to maybe keep moving when we'd had a good session anyway, and perhaps it was a great time, especially at that moment when the assassin had revealed uh, themselves, uh, to cut it there. Mitchell, good morning. Thank you very much for popping along. Merry Christmas to you as well, mate. Uh, Mitchell Davies is a... um, Good local mate of mine, gamer, cosplayer, owner of an anime and manga uh, store. Uh, I'm sorry for the pause there. I kept thinking, was there anything else? What else did he sell? I'm pretty sure he sells figurines and other assorted goodies um, in that anime manga scene. Um, So good on him for... um, Good on you, mate, for starting your own business up, and I hope it is going gangbusters, especially over Christmas. Uh, so yes, as I was talking about knowing when to wrap things up, one, I've had a couple of good examples of this recently, as I've been listening a little bit more to RPG-related podcasts. There is a group called Encounter Roleplay, who do two podcasts called Turn Cloaks and Wonder Quest, and the game masters for both are really good at knowing when to go, all right, there, we're going to cut the session. Usually they do short sessions anyway of about an hour or so, rather than me where I try and press on for uh, the standard session of about three to four hours, and I also try and break it up some so that, A, everyone gets a rest to recharge in the meantime, and B, we can actually put both halves out as separate episodes. So uh, it is really great, you know, one thing toward the end of the session I maybe need to keep an ear ear out for is when there might be a good natural point to go and that's where we're going to call it folks or at least maybe have a list ahead of time of just a couple of cool things that can happen right at the end non-player characters drop game-changing zingers that makes everyone go what did he just say and then sorry we'll have to wait till next week to find out more (laughs) oh yes the joys of being a game master um 
one of the game masters, the one for WonderQuest, Sydney, I think, tweeted at one point how all of a sudden that she had this reputation of being evil. I mean, well, I'm, you know, Sid, that's what happens when you become a GM. It's what happens. Uh, some uh, Something else that I took out of it, you probably heard that we were talking at one point about flashback episodes and maybe sort of like detailing more about our characters' pasts. It was a great suggestion by Sim as a way to kind of fill in some blanks. And I have to particularly give props to Turn Cloaks and WanderQuest because they're really good at this. Not so much in terms of flashbacks during the campaign, which they have done, and it has been brilliant, but in terms of one of the things they do before the game proper commences is that they have one-on-one sessions between the GM and one of the characters where they do a bit of backstory to kind of where I think the player sort of writes down where they want the character to have come from, and maybe a few notes as to things that might happen, and then the Game Master goes, okay, here is where I create some drama. Um, In one case, I think we had a character named, uh, in turn, cloaks one of the characters, Charles, a.k.a. Luna, who plays a monk, sort of uh, uh, was introduced as a monk who sort of fell in love uh, with a woman in the town where his... Uh, monastery is located and they got married and had a kid and then um, the game master will messed with that and basically said all right introduced a session where um, the trouble was going on in the town and the uh, Charles was recalled back to the monastery where the leader of the order basically said you know you now have a purpose and it's time to give up all of your worldly things and uh, become what you were meant to be and Charles resists and says, you know, I have a life, I have a wife and a daughter, and uh, the head of the order basically says, worry yourself no longer, I have removed these distractions from your life, and uh, Charles basically goes charging back into town, finds his daughter, who is still alive because she hid, but then finds his wife with an axe left in her skull, basically, um already dead so you know uh you've got this drama about all of a sudden now he's on the run from his order and he's wants to make sure that his daughter is safe and all that kind of thing and all of a sudden it gives everything some real pathos yeah mitch i know what you mean it was um if you have a chance mate um in you know in between your busy schedule just go have a listen and um yeah, it's uh, uh, we've been having a pretty good time for a Grimdark podcast, if you know what I mean. There's been a lot of Space Marine swagger and a lot of banter and a lot of jokes, but if you really want to hear Grim and Dark, listen to Turncloaks and listen to WanderQuest, which from the sounds of it has kind of a, a nice sounding name and it's got this lovely um, harp vocal intro to it, but again, it's got this really... Every one of the characters has had horrible things happen to them and or their families that are driving them on. Uh, There's a mother with kidnapped children. Uh, There is a half-orc whose adopted brother murdered their parents. Um, It's just, you know, uh, there's a a halfling uh, whose father uh, went out to seek a cure for their um for his wife's uh, the halfling's mother's illness and then he basically came back and apparently wound up killing his wife uh in horrid fashion 
and uh, basically disappeared and left a note saying, you know, it's it, it's for a greater purpose. It will all make sense eventually. And uh, yeah, it's um they both those GMs never let up on the pressure, and there's always stuff going on. Um, uh, I don't know if we'll co- go quite that grim and dark myself because those examples are kind of a contrast. But a Space Marine, it's hard to kind of build those bonds in, especially when you're with the Death Watch, where if you did have any sort of familial bonds within the chapter, you've been taken out of the chapter, seconded to the Death Watch, become part of a, t- a, a kill team, which is then trained into trained as a unit, and then sent out on, sent out on missions. And, pardon me. Uh, so yes, it is kind of tricky to have that kind of background-based angst in a game of Death Watch. It's the kind of thing that you'd have to sort of build up slowly uh, by introducing the Space Marines to characters who they might have a chance to interact interact with on a regular basis. That in and itself is kind of tricky because they operate in Death Watch. They operate in Death Watch. They operate the Death Watch, the organization that the Marines are part of, operates across a broad sector of space, and space travel is generally kind of tricky for most of the civilized human worlds. The Death Watch, being what they are, have better access to more reliable spaceships than pretty much anybody else. So if they meet anyone, it's more likely that they could well not see them again for a good while, depending on where they're deployed to next. Um, Yes, hi-ho, the armed forces life. Um, So yeah, it's kind of a tricky thing um, when you're doing this background stuff. There is some interesting stuff happening in the backgrounds of the characters, though. Brother Gladius, as you may well have heard, has a bit of a, a an angst-laden history because he lost a lot of his unit in the defense of the planet McCrag when a Tyranid Hive fleet invaded and nearly took it out. That's the reason why he sort of took the taciturn thing. So there's some interesting stuff that you could explore there, but it's kind of tricky to actually make it happen. Uh, you know, you need willing players and you kind of have to have a bit of a structure around going freeform and just throwing these moments in and, um, yeah, seeing how it goes. And I think it was something that, in the end, while Sim was sort of keen on it, uh, Rebel, who plays brother Gladius, and who seemed to have the most opportunity for a kind of a flashback, himself just didn't quite... The idea just didn't quite gel with him, so we didn't wind up doing it. Uh, But still, it's something to keep in mind for next time. So... I've been rabbiting on for about half an hour or so, so I think I need to move things along a bit to talk about what is happening in 2018 with Only in Death. As I mentioned earlier on, I am looking at putting out more episodes. Uh, I would like to keep to that fortnightly recording that will give me two sessions that I can put out on a weekly basis. We will see how we go. Uh, everybody who I've touched base with is keen. Again, we just need to work out timing. It might be that I'll be able to do the Saturday morning thing again like I was for the last sessions. We'll see what happens. But we are interested and we would like to make a go of it, particularly myself and Scott Doucette, because one thing that we've been talking about, Scott isn't just uh, an RPGer, or at least you know he is when I drag him into it and when his mate Ian drags him into it as well. Uh, he is a mad keen podcaster, so much so that he has his own business, helping people set up their podcasts, which is centered around his own show, Podcast Bay. There is a community on Facebook where 
uh, fans of the show and people looking to make their own podcasts hang out and give each other advice on what they can do to build their own show. One of the things he talked about in a recent live stream is that he wants to give a little bit more love in the coming year to entertainment-related podcasts. Mostly what he's been dealing with are people who make podcasts as a way to build their business brand, get content marketing out there uh, where they can you know, establish themselves as people who are experts in their fields and have meaningful discussions with other people in their fields about, you know, in the same field about uh, uh, the challenges that they face, you know, giving listeners knowledge so they build that bit of trust that when a listener goes, all right, I want to see if I can get, I think, you know, I need some help with something specific. I know this person, uh, I've gotten a lot of good stuff from their show. I want to engage with them on a paid basis now and, you know, really get their services directly for me. Uh, whereas, of course, Only in Death, it's pure entertainment. It, or at least you could perhaps work it as an angle. I could say, you know, maybe hire my skills as a game master. That's a couple of things that Scott and I have talked about this year when we've been knocking ideas back and forward. But primarily, it really is that sort of, hey, listen in, we're going to be conjuring a science fiction action movie between your ears for the next hour and a half per episode. So... What we are looking at doing as part of Podcast Bay is making Only in Death kind of a practical example. Uh, within the group, we are going to be... The plans are a little bit vague at the moment, but we do know... I think we're generally on the same page. So I think the idea is we're going to be sort of um, logging our progress, uh, the ideas that we've had, the steps that we've taken to progress those ideas, talk about what worked, what didn't work so well, what in hindsight was a bad idea and for what reasons, i.e., okay, this didn't work, but it might still work for someone else and we'll just look at why it didn't work for us specifically uh, just so that uh, people don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. That is the general aim there. That's what we would like to be doing. So if you are keen, and especially if you do have a podcast yourself, or if you're looking at putting one together, uh, please track Podcast Bay down. You can find it on Twitter at podcast underscore bay. Do a search on Facebook for it, and uh, if necessary, get in touch directly with Scott and ask if uh, ask for an invitation to join the group. Um, pardon me one moment. Now, we are coming to this the end of this episode, and there are a few things that I would like to do before we go i want to give a whole bunch of shout outs to some awesome folks uh, for starters the alpha listeners for only in death the folks who came in to the discord server and had a listen to our episodes while we were making them uh, birdie and mike diamond whom you can find on twitter at wonderland rbbt that's all one word wonderland rbbt and if you keep an eye out for them you'll also hear some stuff by me because i am working with them on some vocal projects that they've got going uh, also to Doragon, who you just heard, uh, who you can find on Twitter at Dragon underscore Rider, that's R-Y-D-E-R, -E then the number seven, no spaces of course, uh, who I also have to thank because he, when we put out on Twitter in, I think, episode five, uh, where we had that space team play uh, with myself 
Sim and Rebel, and we sort of threw things open for to Twitter for the name of the kill team and the name of the podcast. He gave us Intrepid, which I then ran through uh, a translate the Google Translator for English to Latin and then English to Greek, and that gave us an awesome-sounding name, which is, of course, Atromatos. So, Doragon, thank you very much again for coming along for this episode, and thanks again for that awesome suggestion, which worked out, I reckon, really well. Um, I also then, along those lines, have to give a special shout-out to Luke, who you can find on Twitter at Treyest underscore, that's T-R-A-E-S-T underscore, who came up with the name Only in Death. Uh, as well, I want to give some shout-outs to everyone else who pitched in with suggestions for show and team names. Dusty Neal, who you can find on Twitter at Dusty A-Z Spritzfan, so that's sports fan without the vowels, so D-U-S-T-Y-A-Z-S-P-R-T-S-F-N. Uh, Robert Ellis, who you can find on Twitter at Rob Ellis, that's with two L's, R-O-B-E-L-L-I-S-2-1. Vidpui, who is on Twitter as at V-I-D-P-U-I. Uh, Gru slash Jawa, who was at the time of recording of that episode, Jawa Kitten, who you can find on Twitter at Gru Moon. Uh, Johan Gottlieb Fichter, who you can find on Twitter at Asako underscore so, that's A-S-A-K-O underscore S-O-H. Uh, Unicorn Bear Humbug, who, uh, formerly known as DM Bear, who you can find on Twitter at C-P-T-S-U-G-A-R-B-E-A-R, that's Captain Sugar Bear, who is also the host of the Thread Raiders podcast, so go catch them when you can. Uh, Sam Thorne, uh, a.k.a. Strippin, S-T-R-I-P-P-I-N, that is Twitter handle, uh, who you can find in various places uh, around the web. Uh, he is the proud other half of a lady by the name of Dodger, who is on Twitter as at DexBonus, D-E-X-B-O-N-U-S. Uh, she is a mad keen geek streamer, and uh, you can also see her on quite a few RPG-related podcasts, particularly with the It Me JP channel, whom uh, a member of that channel, Adam Coble, I chatted with for an episode of Paid to Play. Uh, Drill Abbott Harry, who you can find on Twitter at Drill Abbott, D-R-I-L-L-A-P-P-O-T. David Steele, uh, who you can find on Twitter at David O. Steele, that's D-A-V-I-D-O-S-T-E-E-L-E, -E, who is the host of the podcast, the Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast, A Quest for Magic and Steel. Take another quick sip here, getting a bit sore. James Wilson, who is on Twitter as Chairman Asheth, that's C-H-A-I-R-M-A-N, a-S-H-E-T-H. -E Dungeon Crafter, who is on Twitter as Dungeon underscore Crafter, spelled pretty much how it sounds. Philip Hall, on Twitter as Glacial Geek, all one word. The Fox Has a Hat Now, on Twitter as Rekeji, let me spell that out for you, R-E-K-E-I-J-I. Uh, I'd also like to give a shout-out to a gent who was on Twitter as Sir Fredwood, but when I tried looking him up, he was no longer active. Uh, Joe Kushner, hardcore Twitter gaming and miniatures painting streamer at Joe G. Kushner. And Vidic, 
who you can find on Twitter as the underscore Vidic. That's T-H-E underscore V-I-D-D-I-K. I would also like to give some shout-outs once again to some fellow Warhammer 40,000 roleplay podcasts. Warp Tides, of course, who you can find at W-A-R-P-T-I-D-E-S. Uh, Roll Two Cs on Twitter as R-O-L-L-T-O-S-E-I-Z-E. And the Tritone Gambit, which is game-mastered by a gent whom you can find on Twitter at Hydriatus, H-Y-D-R-I-A-T-U-S. And, of course, I'd better give some company shout-outs. Of course, Games Workshop for giving us the Warhammer 40,000 universe to play in. Uh, Ulysses North America at USNA Games for bringing back the Warhammer 40,000 roleplay license and, of course, making Death Watch available on Drive-Through RPG once again. All the best with the development of the upcoming Wrath and Glory game. And... Finally, uh, shout out and thanks very much for following us on Death Watch Pod RP to Ross Watson, who you can find on Twitter as the Ross Watson, who is the head of the Warhammer 40,000 roleplay line uh, for both Fantasy Flight games in its original incarnation and now for Ulysses North America. Uh, Again, thank you very much for following and all the best with developing Wrath and Glory. From what we've seen so far, it does look very interesting. And uh, while the idea of separating the Warhammer 40,000 universe out into different role-playing games, I think was in and of itself, you know what, yes, it was a good idea because, you know, there was that clear delineation of power and focus. Um, It's also, I do have to laud you guys for making Wrath and Glory a single Warhammer 40,000 role-playing game that can cover pretty much everything. All my best wishes with that. Uh, I think you're going to be keeping a lot of geeks happy because, you know, there are people who want to mix and match from all the various aspects. And you know what? Even even in a, a Dark Heresy game, you're going to get some idiot who's going to want to play a Space Marine. So... Again, thank you very much for all that. Uh, And I do have to have a quick shout-out to Fantasy Flight Games. Thank you very much for putting out the Warhammer 40,000 roleplay games and, of course, Warhammer Fantasy roleplay. While you did have the license and for all the great games that you do continue to put out. So, to wrap things up, I do hope you are having a festive Christmas and that you find the right balance between safety and daring during the holiday season and in the year and years to come. So, let's wrap things up with a bit of drama. Will Kill Team Atramatos reach the Astropath and send the call for reinforcement of the planet Avalos against the impending Tyranid invasion? Will Brother Matthias become the bestest marine that there ever was? Will Brother Gideon become the Eeyore of the Kill Team? Will Brother Avalon get the technical knock talent? Will Brother Gladius get the two-weapon wielder and gunslinger feats? Find out in the next season of Only in Death, the secret mission logs of Kill Team Atramatos, coming to a podcatcher near you in 2018. The Administratum wishes to offer its thanks to all loyal subjects of the Imperium for listening to this podcast whilst at toil in devotional service to the Emperor.
The Administrator mandates that you subscribe to and or follow the High Lords of Terror who created and starred in this episode. You can find the official Twitter account for Only in Death at DeathWatchPodRP. That is DeathWatchPodRP. All one word, mind you. All one word. Rob Farker is on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and other such venues as by Rob F. Scott Doucette is on Twitter and other such venues as Podcast underscore Bay. And his podcast, Podcast Bay, can be found at www.podcastbay.net. Sim Lauren is on Twitter and other such venues as Painty Sim and on YouTube as Sim Lauren. Ian Ketch Sinclair is on Twitter as Five Star Dad. And Rebel Wolf is on Blogspot at Fort Wynn. That's Fort W-Y-N-N.blogspot.com. Should you wish to partake in the creation of your own adventures of secret space marine action, the Administratum wishes to remind loyal subjects that they can purchase the Death Watch Core Rulebook and all supplements in PDF format via DriveThruRPG. The Administratum also mandates that all loyal subjects visit the website www.ulyssesus, that is Uniform, Lima, Indigo, Sierra, Sierra, Echo, Sierra, hyphen, Uniform, Sierra, dot com, and subscribe to their newsletter for their new addition to the Warhammer 40,000 roleplay line, Wrath and Glory! The Administratum now terminates this episode with this thought for the day. The week will always be led by the strong. Despise the weak, for they shall flock to the call of the demon. And the renegado stuff it. That's it. I'm sick of these insipid proclamations. Inspire? More like bore. All this droning on and on about mutants and heretics and burning and killing. How is it meant to improve efficiency? Fifty workers over in Manifactorum Theta died after they nodded off at their lathes yesterday. We ought to have something that will lift our spirits instead of depressing us all the time. Slayer, Megadeth, the Iron Maiden of the Sisters of Battle, even some of the deaf and leopard if we want something a little happier. Let us get some Zumba going in the shift breaks. And you're right, Eustace, even J-Pop would be better than this. Exactly. And if the god-bloody Emperor doesn't like it, he can go shove it up from whence the astronomic and doesn't shine. Well, perhaps it does. Perhaps that's why they call it the Astronomicon. <laughs> no wonder they had to seat him on his golden throne. <laughs> oh, and another thing. Eustace, what are you doing running off like that? I... Ah, hello, Lord Inquisitor. How are you today? Oh, dear. <laughs>